Welcome back, football fans, to another episode of From the Hip, the podcast where we tackle the hottest topics in the world of football with unfiltered opinions and sharp analysis. I'm your host, Anthony Rodriguez, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Corey Thompson and Justin Rodriguez. Hello, gentlemen. How you doing? How you doing? How's it going? How's it going? Okay. Let's get right into it, gentlemen. Monday night, Seattle Seahawks 2-1 facing the New York Giants 1-2. Well, records have changed, and now Seattle is 3-1, and and the Giants are 1-3. Gentlemen, have you had a chance to review the game? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, so talk to me, Corey. What did you see? I saw Daniel Jones running for his life. I mean, <laughs> the man had, what, 27 dropbacks out of 34, two, three, two INTs. He did have 10 carries for 66 yards. The, it's sad to see when a quarterback has to run that much. It just goes to show you how bad the offensive line is or just – or could it be how dominant the Seahawks' defensive front was? I mean, the defense did uh, sack them 11 times. They got 14 QB hits. I just don't know how to fix it. Like, what do you do going forward? What about you, Justin? What uh, do you I, see? What I see is I see the Giants are terrible. That's what I see. I don't think the, I don't think the Seahawks' <laughs> up front is as, as good as they made them look. I don't even think the Seahawks secondary is good as they made them look. Ten sack, ten sacks—that's ridiculous. If if I if I'm that Giants head coach, all them offensive linemen is gonna learn how to block this week. I promise you, because going against because with the upcoming game against Miami, you're not gonna be able to do none of that. Like you said, 200 yards—not bad, not a bad game passing for Daniel Jones, but with two picks and ten sacks, you can't do you can't do it alone. And it's it's a sad case where Daniel Jones is at. Yeah, I agree with you on that. When I was watching the game, like Corey said, I had a totally different take on Daniel Jones. First of all, I've never been a huge fan of his anyway. Right? Um, But I tell you what, I have new respect for him. And I have new respect for him after watching the press conference. I watched a guy who was the lone wolf out there. I felt like he was all by himself trying to play the Seattle Seahawks. And he was throwing the ball. He ran for 66 yards. He ran for 66 yards going forward. They should have counted the yards towards his fantasy points of all the of all the yardage he was running behind, running away from being sacked. Because he would have had 400 yards. <laughs> that dude was chased. He couldn't breathe. Could not breathe. Ten sacks is just insane. And that's not counting the amount of times he was hurried and the amount of times he got rid of the ball before taking the hit. He was he was absolutely beat up from the beginning to the end. And that was all on the offensive line. I mean, watching the game, I definitely blame the offensive line. My high school football team could have blocked better for him last night at our ripe old age than his offensive line actually did. And in the press conference, he sat there and he blamed himself 
did not point any fingers and acted like a gentleman, a sportsman, and a true teammate. So I have a little bit more respect for him today than I did yesterday. I just wanted to point that out. He is the quarterback. Everything falls on the quarterback. Quarterback always gets the blame. I mean, even uh, Al Pacino said it in any given Sunday. So Daniel Jones did step up to the plate by putting it all on his shoulders. But in all reality, it's not all on his shoulders. I mean, we saw his own lineman block his own teammate in the back. And and to make things worse or to make matters worse, Geno Smith didn't even play that well. 13, 13 completions, 20 attempts, 110 yards, one TD. Kenneth Walker looked all right with 70, 79 yards and a touchdown. And the ball was spread out amongst uh, Geno's receivers. But still, I mean, that that's just atrocious. That's abysmal. You were playing a team that didn't even play that well offensively, and you still couldn't get the job done because you 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 had no time. Yeah. I think the um the the actual defense for the Giants was horrific. They couldn't tackle anyone. Every tackle was a missed tackle. It was like they were running right down their throats and couldn't make it couldn't make a tackle. It wasn't like the running backs were um were all Barry Sanders or they were all doing something special. It was poor tackling. I mean, there was one standout to me on the defensive side, which was Thibodeau. I watched him. He looked like he was actually trying. He was invested. Felt like he was doing something out there. But in reality, he only had about two or three tackles. It wasn't like he put up 10 tackles out there because nobody did that. They sucked. You know, and that's just where it stands for me right now. Well, I'll tell you what. That was the Monday night game. We had to get through that game so we can move on to the rest. But let's talk about some of the other big games of the week. Okay, biggest game for me, well, the one that you guys all told me was the biggest game for you, was the Miami-Buffalo game and how it affected the NFL. Miami coming in here at at um, 3-0 and and Buffalo at 2-1, and okay? But the final score of the game ended up at 48-20 to Buffalo, so now they have a tied score. Justin, I'm going to start with you this time. What did you see out there? Man, I saw I saw them keep Tyreek Hill on a muzzle, man. They had him in a bottle. They didn't let him go nowhere. When I say nowhere, I mean only five targets to Tyreek Hill, three receptions for only for only 58 yards. That's a muzzle compared to what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. So when you do that and you when you do that and you contain the best player, and Waddle had a quiet game as well. There's only so much you can do. The star of that Miami game that from this past weekend was uh chain man. chain did his thing. And if I'm Mozart, I'm 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 gonna be worried about that starting position starting next week. Absolutely. He should he should definitely worry. Especially with uh with the fact that he never really has had a chance to really star, to be a true star. But this should be his year to come out and blow up. And now you've got this young kid who's got this Jeremy Lin thing happening. Yeah. (laughs) The way he's been playing is definitely, you can't can't deny that spot from him, bro. He's now playing the entire team, including Tyreek Hill at this point. The last two weeks, he's been 
he's been the one to talk about, not him. So. He's quick. He's quick. What about you, Corey? Well, I agree. I think Mostert's job's in jeopardy. Um, he's been somewhat of a journeyman, so this should be nothing new for him. But A-Chain has stepped up to the plate. But what I saw and what I told you guys was going to happen last time we were on here was Miami's finally playing a top defense. And now we got to see what happens when they go against a top defense. That that defensive core was all over the place. They sacked two or four times. They hurried him nine times. Too bad that tra- uh, tra- Tredevious uh, White, White went down. That's you know, going to that hurt was, them. That's, that's going to hurt them going forward. But we did see an MVP-esque John, um, Josh Allen. 21, 21 completions, 25 attempts, three, 320, four TDs. And then we saw my boy Diggs come out, six catches, 120 yards, three TDs, who quietly kept is probably one of the best, if not the best receiver in the game right now. But he is overlooked and overshadowed all the time with talks of Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and so forth. Well, I think right now the only guy who's really producing that can give you the run would be Tyreek Hill. I think Chase, um, I think Justin Jefferson, everybody else, they are not matching his numbers. I mean, you have to point out to me what type of season he was having so far because I didn't realize how many points he had been putting up, how many yards. The, he, is ha- he is quietly having one of the best offensive years I've seen in a long time, you know? But I'm not even going to talk about with the individual stats. When this game opened up, it started as a possible shootout. And I thought that's what we were all going to get was all offense. And in that, I think the Dolphins would have had a big advantage. But then the Bills defense woke up and it decided to play some real football. I think they realized, hey, we're better than this. We actually can play defense. And when they showed up, um, it was like it was like a whole different game. It was a whole different game because they controlled both sides of the ball. They bullied the Dolphins. They pushed them around. They showed them that they are truly the team of this division. Now, I'm not saying the Dolphins are out of it, but we all know that defense wins championships. And if the Dolphins can't put a defense on that field, they're going to look like the Saints from the early 2000s where they were trying to outscore everybody. And that didn't mm-hmm. work. The Eric Oliver. I think that's, yeah, I think it's Eric Oliver. I think that's their defensive tackle. And he was a monster. On Sunday, he made the biggest impacts. He got his he got his check. He got paid. And he said, I'm going to show you why I'm worth all this money. And he did it. He really did it. I'll tell you what. You know what? One other thing I want to mention about this game before we move on, unless Justin wants to actually chime in on something. But to me, this game was huge for Buffalo. It was much bigger for Buffalo than it was for Miami. Miami was undefeated at that moment, and they were pulling in. 
you had the Bills had already lost the first game. So they were walking into this with one loss already. But if they would have lost that game last night, or rather, if they would have lost that game on Sunday, they would have fell to two and two. And they would have lost the first of two head-to-head matchups against the other top team in this thing here with them. So it was a huge game. A lot was riding on, on in their point of view. So the great thing is that they came through, they tied their records, but they've already won that first head-to-head. And on top of that, they got in the heads of the Dolphins players. We're better than you. We're going to beat you. Be be careful what you say. Because Josh was making faces when he was scoring those touchdowns. He looked like he was enjoying he his, was. his evening. He was. Yeah, I mean, you know. Josh Allen definitely came out looking like a playoff quarterback the way he's been the last couple of years. Remember, you got to remember, Bills, the Bills have won this division the last three years in a row. So when he, people are now talking about you may lose this division because the way you're playing, I, I granted, week one, he didn't play that good. Week week two, he played better. But week three, he turned into a whole nother, a whole nother thing. Now, week four, now, now coming with from last game, he looked like he's ready to do this shit every single day. He's ready to play right now and continue to play. Hopefully that's exactly what we get. So let's move on to the next game. Um, that's going to be Pittsburgh versus Houston. Huh. I think Pittsburgh this is- walks into this game at <laughs> at two and one. Houston walking into this game at one and two. And I think all of us got it wrong. We all called the game for Pittsburgh. We said Pittsburgh was going to run all over them. They said that C.J. Stroud was going to show himself. And I want to start this off right away. I usually would go to one of you two first. Let me say this first. Time out, time out, time out. No, 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 no. I said Damian Pierce was going to feast. That was one of my fantasy prize okay. picks. You may say, Damian but Pierce. you still did agree that Texas. Pittsburgh would pull the game out. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, we're going to have to run that footage back. And I have it, but here we go. You ready? <laughs> I'm going to say this. It doesn't happen often, so everybody pay attention. I owe C.J. Stroud an apology. This young man is not only has he come out to play, but he came to play better than any rookie I've ever seen. The poise that he has, what he shows in the backfield is amazing. He threw set. He threw to seven different players, even though he does has it. He does have his obvious favorite, which is Nico Collins, because he had nine targets. But CJ went sixteen for thirty with three hundred and six yards and two TDs. And all of this with the, with a tough Steelers defense, because that team still has a very tough defense. Say what you will about what happened on Sunday, but they got Watt. And they got a secondary that's second to none. He looked like he was playing the Jets. He looked like he was playing the Giants. He looked like he was playing the Bears. (laughs) He ran right over them. That kid is scary. And that's what I want to say about him. I said my piece. You're not going to get me to apologize very often, but there you go. CJ, I apologize. Corey? I'll let you, I will let you take the stage now. 
you can't deny what this kid's doing. He's averaging 300 yards a game with one and a half touchdowns a game. I think he's the ranked 10 quarterback at the current moment. He looks like a veteran. He he veteran. looks like a veteran on that field. He's become the general. He's he's on a Texans team that's usually mm, a mediocre team, and he's winning games with them. I'm impressed to see this come from a rookie who I personally didn't think was going to pan out this well, but he's doing good. If he keeps this up, he's looking like rookie of the year in my book. And I, and I, you know, and I definitely agree with that. I've said it, I said it back in week two that should we start looking at him as if he's real, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people laugh and giggle when I said it, but I saw it early on that this kid was going to be special. And I'm just happy to see it pan out, man. So. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I'm glad that he's coming into his own. Um, I wish he was the Jets quarterback if he's going to come into his own, <laughs> you know. But but you know what? I'm happy that um, he can make everybody eat their own words. All right, next game. And I warned you, and I'm going to say it again. You guys wanted to watch that Miami game? Go ahead and watch it. But I told you, Philly-Washington was the game of the week. When overtime, we had a great football game. That was a great football game. I said it. Washington always plays the Eagles hard. Came into the game at 2-1 and one, okay, against an undefeated Philadelphia team. They were in Philly. But last year, they beat Philly in Philly. Right. Okay. They always play Philly hard. That's a, that's a divisional game. And once again, we got a wonderful game. I knew Washington was going to be tough, but I didn't know about how that Howell was going to do such a great job. Okay. He made them relevant. He, I'll tell you what, he reminds me a lot of Neil O'Donnell. Can I say that? Okay. He reminds me a lot of uh... Neil O'Donnell. But he threw for almost 300 yards with a TD, no interceptions. The guy just doesn't do a lot of mistakes. But what I always say is good teams do what good teams do. So even though they were facing a, a really tough team and they had um, – they, if you look at the stats, the stats are almost identical. There's, like, not much that stands out. But good teams always know how to pull it out. And Hurts, he threw for over 300. He had two TDs. Swift did his 50-something yards with a TD and went to overtime. Where a good team does is in that it was, to me, the game was all in overtime. Once they got to overtime, which, by the way, it should never have went to overtime. It should never have went to overtime. Washington should have had the guts to go for two-point when they scored to try to ice the win, I would have respected it and it would have prevented it from going overtime, but it went OT and the defense did. They woke up and said, okay, this is what we got to do. And they stopped Washington straight up, just stopped them, shut them down. And then came down and kicked their field goal and walked off that field with that win. Like they were supposed to do. All right, Corey, what do you think about the game? 
I think that the Eagles stars came out to play. Hurts, A.G. Brown, Devontae Smith, DeAndre Swift. They all looked great. They all showed why they are stars and they have so much potential on that team. I thought that Philly would just steamroll them, but I was wrong. The Washington Washington Commanders came out to play as well. How looked good. You had Terry McLaurin with eight catches for 86 yards. You know, the backfield looked okay. It was all right. But the stars, the defense, making tackles, making plays, stopping them, putting pressure, getting turnovers, getting the ball back. All of this is what matters. All those gut-wrenching plays when you have to use your grit to stop somebody, those fourth and ones, and you got to make that crucial tackle. That's what this game came down to, a lot of grit, a lot of heart, and a lot of dedication. And I agree with you. Washington should have went for two. In a game like this with against a team like Philly that has so many offensive weapons, you should have tried to win the game right there. Nobody would have second-guessed it. Everybody would have understood your decision, win or lose. What about yeah. you? <clears throat> I, definitely, I definitely agree with that. But honestly, bro, I don't even want to talk about the Eagles team because this is the same Eagles team that went to, to, went to the Super Bowl last year. So honestly, we I only I I expected them to win, and I expected them to win the way they did. But when it comes to Washington, Sam Howell is a dog, man. I mean, bounce talk about a bounce back week from last week because last week, as y'all know, he threw zero touchdowns but four picks. You know what I'm saying? One seventy against that Bills defense, but coming into this week against a tougher Eagles defense, he showed that nah, that was just an off week. And I'm here to play, man. The Washington is definitely the kryptonite of the Eagles. And I agree they should have went for two because with the momentum that they was coming back with, they would have got that two-point conversion. It don't matter. Anybody, anybody in that backfield would have got it. Give Brian Robinson the ball. It don't matter. He would have got through. The offensive line would have pushed the Eagles deep straight back into the into the tunnel with the momentum <laughs> they was going with. I'm telling you. So I agree it was a bad, it was a bad call. On uh, Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera to go to, to take it to overtime because especially if you don't win that toss, the Eagles they they rapid fire man. I don't care how good your defense is, but all right. Well, you know what? Let me throw something else at you. But although I do agree with both of you, I want to talk about. I wasn't even going to talk about this game, but only because it's on the same topic. The Bears lost Sunday. The Bears had an opportunity to kick. Okay, and they would have went up on uh they would have they would Denver. have taken their lead. Okay, but they would have left like two minutes, a little bit le- less than two minutes on the clock. Instead, they elected to go for it on fourth and they were shut down. When they were shut down, then Denver came through, they drove down the field, and they kicked it and they won the game. So you can be second guess. Should we be second-guessing Ron Rivera? Ron Rivera's always been a conservative coach. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Should we Even be second-guessing him? Because this would have turned out as a, if he didn't kick it and didn't tie the game, right now we're killing him the way we look at the Bears. And I don't even want to talk about the Bears because they're a bad team. They're a bad team, and they're I, always going to be a bad team under this 
leadership. Bad teams do what bad teams do, just like good teams do what good teams do. I think it depends. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, this, a, it's a case-by-case case this, this is, this is thing. This is not something that you compare because you got to look at it as the Eagles, right? I don't. I would never take on the Eagles in overtime. I don't care who who I got on my side. But the, Denver, Denver, the way Denver's been playing and the way Chicago's been playing, I see why Chicago thought they could, you know, go for it and, and you know, try to ice the game right there. But – I don't. I don't see. I don't see why Ron Rivera wouldn't try. Because honestly, I wouldn't kill Ron Rivera for going for two and losing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't beat him down. Because you trying to go for the win, man. You don't want to face that Eagles team. You don't want to even give him the ball back. You know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't compare these two teams the way the way that is set up. The, the Bears. They thought that they they were better than Denver because they were killing him in the first half, and they thought they was coming. They thought they oh we can get right by, get this little first first down. And keep moving, but Denver showed them that nah, it's not that easy. So I, I don't see, I don't see where uh, where you can compare these two games because Eagles, I'm not, I'm not touching them in overtime. I don't care. <laughs> I'm touching them in overtime. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to the next game: Arizona against San Francisco. Arizona walking in at one and two, a tough one and two. I think they've shown that. San Francisco walking in undefeated at three and zero. Well, obviously, we know the re- the score now. Score came out to 35 to 16. San Francisco remains undefeated. Corey, what do you got for me? I, I told you, I, I think I was pretty close on this score too, that San Fran was going to give them hell. They didn't. The one thing they didn't do is they didn't get a defensive touchdown. I really thought that was going to happen or to, uh, or a safety, but they didn't do that. But They didn't need it. Huh. The fantasy monster showed up again. Boy, did he. CMC. I mean, 20 carries, 106 yards, three TDs, seven catches, 71 yards of TD. Ayuk looked good, six catches, 148. Purdy did what he did. He managed the game, 20 for 21, 283 with a touchdown. Dobbs did all right. I mean, he did drop back 41 times. He completed 28, 28 passes, 265, two TDs. Um, Connor, 52 yards, but you're going against that um, San Francisco defense. Wilson and Brown look good. Uh, so you really can't complain. I think Dobbs did what he could do with what was in front Funny of him. Funny thing you mentioned him. You know, as as we defense. will be talking about him in a little bit. Justin, what do you got? Hmm. I definitely agree. This is the McCaffrey show. This was not even – for discussion because the way he came out, the way he the way he affected the run game, the pass game, this was definitely a McCaffrey show. And honestly, what what do you have to answer for that? You don't have an answer for that. So San Fran ran away with this one. If they was able to keep McCaffrey on the lid, they probably would have had a chance because Joshua Dobbs is no scrub. And I McCaffrey just took over this game, man. You can't even deny him at that point. Best best back in the league, bro. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't give him a chance to pass for a touchdown. I tell you what, this game, this one, um, I don't have anything to really add about this game because you guys have covered it except for one thing: the noticeable lack of Debo. And again, that will come up again. But I found out some stuff about Debo. He has some nagging injuries at this point. He's being used as a decoy. Okay, but we'll talk about that when we get to the injury report because we do have one more game that we want to cover today before the end of the show, and that's going to be the KC Chiefs against the New York Jets. 
just want to talk about this. You got KC walking in at two and one. The okay, the Jets walking in at one and two. Obviously, we know right now this was a lot closer than everybody thought, but KC actually edged them out 23 to 20. Justin, give me a take on this game. Listen, listen, listen. I know it's a crazy thing for me to say it. I'm going to say it. But Zach Wilson looked great, bro. He, he played did. a He played a great game. But I think he I'm needed getting, to, though. I, yeah, I think he definitely needs to gain the trust back from his, 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 uh, his teammates. But I can't see this. I can't see this performance only against good teams. Like you should be beating up on these little, these young teams, these weak teams that don't have the Mahomes, don't have the Josh Allen. You know what I'm saying? These teams, he's beating playoff teams, Super Bowl winning teams. He, he he's he's coming really, really close to beating them. He's getting more comfortable in the offense. He's getting them more reps and a lot more weapons than he had last year, but. Like I said, he needs to do this week in and week out. If he doesn't do this, then the Jets don't have him stay a chance the rest of the year. But if he if he if he whips in this shape right now, right now and plays like this every other every week from now on, the Jets are a playoff team. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, that's wishful thinking. We're not even gonna go there. Mr. I'll Corey, tell you, man. What do you got? I have a problem with this game. And it's probably not what you guys think, but Pacheco looked good. 20 carries, 115 yards in a TD. Wilson did look good. Lazard came out, looked good. My problem with this game is this Jets defense. Now, hear me out. They are a good defense. They have studs almost all around the board. Why can't they play like this each and every week? Why are we getting only flashes and glimpse from that defense? Because they're the New York Jets. <laughs> but that is a good defense. They're built well. Always been a good they defense, have the Corey. pieces. Well, I don't know. You know I'm yeah. a New Yorker. Is it the coach? I'm a New Yorker. I have a lot of jet paraphernalia in my house. As I told you, I tormented myself as a kid by rooting for them. And with that being said, is they've let me down my entire life. Any Jet fan will tell you, we're owed something, we're never going to get it. You know, and that, that's just the way it is. But um, that's why. You want to know why? That's why. It's the New York Jets. It's just disturbing to see this defense that has so much talent not live up to it. Week in and week out. They got two You know what's funny is that I hear Justin talking about this could be a playoff team if they ever get it together, and I hear you talking about the defense. To me, honest, all right. You know what KC is? KC is like the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors, in their current status of who they got, every year they're going to be deep in the playoffs because they are relevant. You know what? They're going to have an off night. They're going to lose to the Bullets. They're going to, you know, or the Washington Wizards. I just showed my age when I called them the Bullets. Okay? <laughs> but but they're going to have off nights. They're just going to have that. It is what it is. KC can have an off night. Last year, they lost to the Colts. Okay? The 
the Houston Texans, they took them to OT. They lost, but they took them to OT. That happened last year, and yet we still saw them in the Super Bowl. You're still going to see them in the Super Bowl. Yes, all the talk that we're talking about, Buffalo and everything, you're still going to see KC in the Super Bowl. Even with this game, even with their one loss of the year, you're still going to see them in the Super Bowl because when it matters, they're going to turn it on. Good teams do what good teams do. That's my point on that. So here, I would like to get into the injury report, gentlemen, before we run out of time. Because we do have some very important injuries that we need to talk about. Deshaun Watson did, okay, was a last-minute scrub. I think he will be in for next week, but it does, but it definitely shows something about his character. I talked to you real quick about it, Corey. That's a divisional game, big game. Got a little problem with the shoulder. I don't think the guy has any heart. That's why he sat out. Derek Carr, he played. I didn't get to see my Jameis Winston that I asked for. But <laughs> but here's what happened. They played Derek Carr because of his selfishness. Because he played, the team lost. They suffered. He has no shoulder. Could not throw the ball. Threw the ball to nobody but Kamara the whole game. He looked terrible. And the team looked terrible. Olave didn't get even a target. Neither did, neither did Michael Thomas. They looked like they played terrible they should have put Jameis Winston in they would have won that game we did lose Kenny Pickett MCL strain I don't know for how long we're going to lose him for um that's something that if you have him on your fantasy team which I'm not quite sure why you would but if you did you may want to look for a replacement over the next few weeks Matt Stafford hit pointer He's likely not going to miss any time because he's moving into a bye week, I think, after next week anyway. Or matter of fact, this coming week. So but by the time he comes back, he'll be fine. Let me just double check on that. Um, no, it's it's going to be after next week. I don't think it's going to be an issue for him. We've seen him play yeah. before. Okay, that hit point is not going to hold him out. He's just going to – he'll limp a little bit, but he's going to rely on his arm more than his legs. Justin Herbert. Um, not not a major injury. It's on his non-throwing hand. He has a laceration, probably a strain to his middle finger on his non-throwing hand. Plus, he has a bye next week. He's good. Don't worry. He's not going to miss any time. If you have him on your team, don't worry about it. Devontae Williams, hip flexor. He's probably going to miss a few weeks. So if you do have him on your team, and a lot of people do, I hope you do pick up somebody on the waiver wire to replace him over the next couple of weeks. T. Higgins, rib fracture. He will miss some time with those ribs. He's he's right now in a lot of pain. So uh, be prepared to bench him if you have him. Um, I wouldn't throw him away for the season. He will be back, but he's going to miss some time. Mike Evans, hamstring train. He has a bye next week, so he's good anyway. But... um. But he's going to need a little bit. And please understand, this will like affect his productivity. Um, a huge one. Tredavious White, lost for the season with the torn Achilles. Um, although he's not a singular fantasy player, the Buffalo Bills defense will be affected because he is one of their best players on defense. So keep an eye on that. Hopefully the rest of 
the Yuck defense does, they do pick up for him. And a guy who I already mentioned, Debo Samuel, he's dealing with nagging knee injury and a rib injury. So he right now he's doing more of the decoy role than anything, just so that Brandon Ayuk is able to catch his passes. But they're probably not going to use him very much. But that's a perfect team for him not to be used very much because they have a lot of weapons. All right. Is there anything you guys want to talk about that? Uh, no, not really. Oh, we're good there. Okay, so okay, so we're going to go right into the waiver wire because of that. Because of those, that leads me into the waiver wire. These are players that should be grabbed or or if you need somebody to pick up because of what's going on. I asked you guys to let me know what your pick was, so we'll start with you, Corey. Corey, on the waiver wire... Who would you grab up if you had the opportunity to grab him up? Well, I mean, we already mentioned the big guy that would be, I think, on everybody's board is C.J. Stroud. If you have the opportunity to pick him up, pick him up. But for me, it'll also be his number one target, Nico Collins. The guy's had two monster games so far, and he's still doing all right. He had six catches on Baltimore for 80 yards. Seven against the Steelers for 168 with two TDs. Seven against um, Indy for 146 and one. And he's ranked number five right now in fantasy. So he's somebody I would pick up. What about you, Justin? Uh, like you mentioned earlier, with Kenny Pickett going down, and you need to fill in that quarterback role, also you pick up Joshua Dobbs, man. That, he is a dog, and I don't see him slowing up anytime soon. You know, he's only rostered in 5% of leagues. Yeah, he's he's available. He's out there. He's available. He's available. That's a good pickup. Uh, you know, not for nothing. His numbers are better than Dak Prescott. His numbers are better than than Joe Burrow. And these are guys who are rostered in 100% of leagues. You know? Um, I'm going to throw one out there. You got Jamison Williams, wide receiver. If he's available, he's just been released off of sus- – off of suspension so they shortened it he will be back and and they're going to throw him right back into it he's going right into the mix so if you can grab him up grab him up uh most of the other players who should be already picked up they should not even be on your waiver wire by now you got guys like ford um you got hunt you got kenneth gainwell a chain um Roshan Johnson, Sam Laporta. Okay. These guys should not be on your waiver wire right now, but if they are, grab them up. Grab them up. Okay. And take it as a blessing that you were able to grab them up. Anybody else you guys want to throw in last minute? San Francisco 49ers kicker, Jake Mm. Moody. He's kicking at 100% rate right now. He's averaging 10 points in fantasy, and he's ranked number five. I got you. Uh, one more. You got this. Um, the running backs are real skimpy in the waiver wire. We know that. This is like a wide receiver league right now. So running backs are hard to grab up. But you got the Jaleel McLaughlin. He's carving them out to seem to be a, a nice little pickup if you can grab him. So with that, okay. Let's quickly talk about the game coming up Thursday night. 
Thursday night, you got Chicago 0-4 walking in against the Washington Commanders at 2-2. Real brief, gentlemen, give me one minute about each guy. I'll start with you, Justin. Yeah, like I said before, it's going to be, I I believe, in Washington and Sam Howell. So I see Sam Howell taking this one uh, over over Chicago because – Justin Fields did look good in the first in the first half of that game, but towards the second half, he kind of flopped. So Sam Hell's a dog, man. So I see him coming out with this victory right here. What about you, Corey? I think it's gonna be a scratch. It's gonna be a, a, a nail a nail biter. Mm, nah. I'll take that back. Not a nail biter, but there's going to be some competition. Bears will get about 17. I think Commanders get 24. Um, I'm looking for Terry McLaurin to have over 100 yards on the season finally in a game. And I'm looking for Robinson to actually have a good solid run game this game coming up against that Bears D. So, and like Justin said, Howell's going to be, Howell's a dog, man. I think they're going to want to come out and make a statement against the Bears to let everybody know, like, hey, we're a part of the NFC East since they are overlooked a lot in that division. And um, they're going to be like, we are part of the NFC East and we are here to play spoiler to everybody. I think that both teams had a chance to win their respective games last week, but they both came up short. Washington came up short just because they played a great team. Um. The Bears came up short because they're the the Bears. Justin Fields he had a great game, and then he fell apart at the end of the game because, of, to me, I'm sorry, I would have already moved on past him already. Guy who's super talented, can do a lot, but he doesn't have the mental fortitude to play quarterback in this league. Um, Neil O'Donnell had an, a very adequate – oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say Neil O'Donnell. I meant to say Howell had an adequate game, okay? The guy doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And because of that, the Bears will do what they do again and again, which is lose. Commanders are definitely going to win this game. I want to say 21 to 10. All right? So with that, gentlemen, your parting words. Corey? Hey, man, I'm only wrong 2.7% of the time. So just keep with me, everybody. We're going. And I told you Baltimore was going to win this week. I told you. All right. Hey, Justin, your parting words, man. Yeah, man. You know you know how I think. I'm the bold predictor, the, the hot taker of the of the group. So We may have lost him. Oh, Sounded like he was having some difficulty earlier. That's all good. All right. Well, everybody, until next time, let's keep it football and let's keep it from the hip. Goodbye, everybody.